2: Alright, welcome in everybody. This is Dane Lewis, host of the Locked On Dallas Stars podcast, joined now by both hosts of the Locked On Arizona Coyotes podcast, Robin Leano and Carl Pavlock. Guys, hockey season is almost here, and I know it's been a, a fairly busy offseason with Coyotes, at least as far as drafting goes. Um, some pretty big names to talk about, which we'll touch on here in a second, but how are you guys feeling? How excited are y'all to have hockey back soon uh in our lives here just this month in september
0: you know i think in the general sense i'm glad to have hockey back because you know like i feel like there's nothing to do without hockey but at the same time and i think carl can help you know back me up on this you know like we're covering a team that's just not gonna be good (laughs) so it's just gonna be like oh it's gonna be like just like dread just freaking endless dread
1: (laughs) it's it's year two of the rebuild It's my second year rebuild, like covering the Coyotes, because there was the other one back in 2015. Uh, I know exactly what to look forward to, and it's not the most fun thing, but uh, yeah, it's exciting. Like being able to watch hockey is fun, even if I'm not going to like most of the results.
2: Yeah, I I certainly can can understand that angle, and maybe you know it's a grind to get through this season for Coyotes fans, but perhaps if you get that elusive number one pick, uh, maybe you you get a, a you know franchise altering player uh, out of that pick, or at least maybe a pick in the top three. Um, but I want to look back at, at this most recent draft that took place over the summer, uh, and kind of get you guys' thoughts on some of the picks that your team acquired mainly the the first-round pick or at least the first pick that you guys had in the first round in Logan Cooley. Were you surprised that Shane Wright was on the board and was it kind of expected that Cooley was the guy regardless of who was going to be there? What were your overall thoughts on that selection uh, with Logan Cooley on, on the first night of the draft?
0: So, you know, like, I was half surprised to see Shane Wright fall. Like, I think there was some subtle expectations, like, I think with how everything has been going, I was like it would like it's like it wouldn't a hundred percent shock us, but at the same time, it's like oh, it, it's Shane Wright. You know, he's you, he's supposed to be great. Um, when he failed to um, like, it was between him and Cooley at number three. We we're just like, I mean, it makes sense to take Cooley because of the way just of the way it fits the system and then obviously later on we found out it's like okay now it makes even more sense because it Cooley wants to be here in arizona um versus apparently from what we've been told that if shane wright were drafted by arizona he would not want to play for them so that that is, you know what has also made sense on that side so um coolly was definitely the best pick though like i think i like obviously it's still way too early because we don't we haven't seen them hit the ice officially as an Arizona Coyote but um, I mean like from what we're all gathering like he's gonna be a freaking rock star
1: yeah I've actually gotten a chance to see Cooley play at a prospect uh, scrimmage and it was really fun like I I fell in love with watching the guy play Um, and it was definitely a surprise Uh, I you know there had been rumblings that Slavkovsky was going to go number one, and New Jersey just didn't want right from everything that had been like said. So it felt like you know going into it, there was like maybe a one in ten chance. Um, I didn't know that um, you know how much Cooley wanted to play in Arizona. If I had known that, then I would have been higher on him the day of. Because that definitely makes a difference. They want buy-in with the rebuild. And Cooley's timeline just fits the rebuild.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, it seems from everything I could gather that pretty much everyone around that Coyotes organization seems pretty pleased with that pick, as as well as, you know, some of the other picks in the draft. I know Arizona had, I believe, three in the first round. You guys can correct me uh, if I'm wrong on that. Who are some other, you know, key players that you really, you know, were high on when the Coyotes picked them, whether it was still in the first round or maybe later on in the draft.
0: Um, so obviously, you know, you kind of had to go through the draft. We can't, we can't go through talking about the draft without talking about Connor Geeky because the Coyotes drafted, I mean, they traded up to get him like pretty significantly to get him. Um, I'm still questioning whether it was, we're trading up that far to get him. Um, but he's still a high name on the, like um, on, was on the draft board. Like some uh, experts had him in the top ten and the coyotes got him at eleven, right? Carl, I think it's eleven. So yep. 11. um it's like okay, you know, that kind of makes sense. When you look at some of his flaws, it's like, okay, we'll see how that works out. But I'm looking forward to see what he can do because you know he can you know he's a he's another center but can probably slot over to the wing if he if we really need to. Um, and he's got size. You know, I think everyone, if you look, if you look at the down the roster, with the exception of Logan Cooley, everybody on the the, the Coyotes drafted are freaking big people. <laughs> yeah, everyone's over, like, I think
1: 6-1, but Cooley. Um, I you know, There's a lot to kind of like. One of the players that really stood out, just because I just kind of wrote about him, uh, 36 overall, Duda, uh, Russian defenseman, looked phenomenal. Uh, I did a ranking of him on five for howling. um, And as soon as I started looking deeper into him, I'm like, we put him way too low. This guy is just impressive. Uh, Split time between the KHL and the MHL this past year. um, And should be pretty interesting.
2: Yeah. Certainly seems like there's a lot to be looking forward to in Arizona as far as these young players, especially with the size, Uh, just with how big some players get in the NHL these days with speed, size, strength. It uh, looks like the Coyotes certainly going after players that seem to cover all those bases. Uh, you say Cooley may be a little undersized, but still an incredibly talented player. Uh, but kind of shifting the focus to uh, the main current NHL roster guys that we're, we're going to see play for the Coyotes this season. Starting with a guy that's been in some some rumors over the past several weeks, really throughout the offseason, uh, and Jacob Chikrin. What, do you, what are your guys' thoughts on him? Do you think he stays with the team? Do you think you know, the Coyotes look to deal him? Or do you think there's another team that is you know, interested in him that you could see him going to? What are your overall thoughts on him and his current situation with the team?
0: Yeah, so we, we uh, Carl and I actually had this discussion earlier this week on the Lockdown on Coyotes podcast. And there is a lot of question behind that on what's going to happen. You know, I think there is a you know, general consensus that if we see Jacob Trickwin hit the ice come training camp, Uh, he will not get traded into at least the trade deadline. Um, But, like, obviously, and maybe even doesn't happen. um, Because the thing is, we've seen so many rumor mills go up, and, like, it's it's an endless cycle for Coyotes players in general. Like, any player who's, you know, playing above or, you know, is a high-value player, it's like, oh, when are the Coyotes going to trade this player? They obviously can't have him. Um, But... It'll be interesting to see. We'll definitely be watching it, but like like I said, that if he hits the ice this training camp, he probably won't be dealt for a while.
1: Yep, uh, same. Uh, like Robin said, we just had an episode about that. Those are pretty much all my thoughts too.
2: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I figure you know I can only do so much digging on on the internet with you know some sources that. May or may not be, you know, very credible, but I, I know you guys are going to know a lot more than I will about uh, the whereabouts of players that could be on the move, especially out of Arizona. And, uh, you know, you talk about players that departed from the team this offseason. I know not too long ago we saw Phil Kessel uh, go to Vegas. Was that a move? I mean, I think it was expected that he would go somewhere else. Is he a guy that you, you know, you think will be missed heavily in Arizona, or do you think it's just kind of a, a man situation? Cause I know, you know, if a team's in a rebuild, sometimes you get attached to some players that, you know, were longtime veterans or just good personalities. What were kind of your, you guys' thoughts as Phil Kessel goes on to, to Las Vegas?
1: Carl? Okay. So uh, I, I think as soon as I heard that Rick Tockett lived in Las Vegas, I was like, Oh, that's exactly why I should have called that immediately. If I had known, um, Kessel was a player that we all kind of expected to be traded at the deadline last year. So him walking away definitely didn't, you know, really impact that much. We already kind of had our goodbye. um, And he ended up staying. Um, It does seem like he wants to go to a team that can compete. Uh, I don't know if Vegas has the goaltending to be a competitor, but uh, it's where he wanted to go. And, you know, all the power in the world to him. I hope he has a, a great end to his career. I think like no one in Arizona is going to say too much bad about him. Uh, like just normal castle criticisms. Um, but I, I think he can still contribute. Uh, one of the things that I really liked watching him do is play with Lawson Kraus. He can't really get the shot off as much, but he could find uh, a streaking forward and get it into the net. It's It's a beautiful
0: thing to see. Yeah, Phil Kessel was, the, you know, he was the definition of like a true teammate. He definitely was a leader on the ice. He, he, uh, he made a really big impact for the Coyotes and, um, in you know, in many ways, more than just on the ice. You know, you can t- you can tell the kind of person he was. Um, and again, of course, on the ice, he was great too. You know, I think this, but this last year was a little bit of a falter. Obviously, he had a lot of assists, but he didn't get as many goals as he as 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 we're used to seeing. But that's also him choosing to kind of take that more leader role and kind of helping set things up. Um, cause we saw, cause we saw a freaking unbelievable amount of assists from him. So um, he can slot in, in any role and I think he will do well. And I think he, even at his age, he just will continue to continue to, uh, to contribute. And we're looking for, I mean, we're glad to see him over in Vegas. I mean, like it's not too far, um, but Yeah.
2: For sure. And I'm curious to see, you know, you just mentioned him being the ultimate teammate. You know, one day when when this Arizona franchise kind of takes that next step and they're competing in the postseason yet again, you know, these younger guys on the team, your Clayton Kellers of the world. How many of them will say, you know, I remember, you know, back in the rebuild days, having a teammate like Phil Kessel, uh, you know, encouraging me or, you know, being a a mentor type figure for a guy that's been around in this league for a long time. Uh, I say all the time, you can't really ever have too much veteran leadership on your team as far as, you know, kind of teaching the younger players how to be a professional on and off the ice. And it seems like Phil Kessel, for the most part, you know, did that pretty well in Arizona and hopefully can can do that in Vegas as well. I know they have quite the cast of characters over there. And kind of the, the last question I want to run by you guys, um, kind of going back to the, the younger crowd on the team uh, with draft picks and things of that nature. Who are some guys that could be seeing, you know, some quality NHL minutes this season for the Coyotes that might not be uh, on many other NHL fans radars or especially in the central division? Uh, Because I feel like, you know, you can have these teams like this where you just see, you know, a a full line or, you know, three or four different players. You say, I've never heard of this kid, but, you know, they're putting up some really impressive numbers or, you know, they skate really well. They shoot the puck well. Who are some of those guys or maybe one or two guys, you know, that each of you have in mind?
0: So a lot of the young guys are probably not going to show up because you know um, we advocate for don't rush our prospects and make sure they they uh, they develop. So like I obviously I would love to say Dylan Genther, but he's not going to show up. Um, just like let 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 him furry. But I will say, and um, one player who I think who would probably likely make a few make a few appearances and make some decent minutes, and it's J.J. Moser. He was a second uh, you know second round draft pick in the. Uh, 2021 draft uh, as an overager and he came in and instantly made an impact like he looked really good in in tucson and became a impact defenseman um, once he got called up when literally 90 percent of the defense was gone through injury for for the coyotes and he made and and that impact was felt and uh, because of that don't be surprised to see more of him in this next year do you have another one oh another one oh. um like probably not gonna show pro- won't show up as much but like um obviously i'll be I, I i will i will see what he does in tucson as well but matthias Michelli is another one like i think he, I he'll it. probably he'll probably get another guy to get called up and i <laughs> that dude is so fun to watch like like obviously when i was living in tucson i was watching him all the time like oh my god please give me more matthias Michelli. <laughs>
1: I knew you were going to do Michele. Um, so <laughs> the the two that I'm going to do, um, the other kind of younger player, uh, Michael Carcone, um, who is also played a couple of games um, with the team last year, uh, did really good with the Tucson Roadrunners, really looking forward to see what he can do for a full season. Um, I also – a lot of people may have forgotten that the Coyotes have Connor Timmons uh, because he went down almost immediately – with a knee injury uh last season um and he should hopefully be back knock on wood um i I don't know if he's gonna start i haven't really heard much update on him Uh, i think craig morgan tweeted out that he's rehabbing but i would need to check on that but I, i definitely think like he is a player who could make an impact um once he's healthy
2: yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you're a Stars fan listening, be, keep a, keep an eye out for those names if we, you know, have the Coyotes up on the schedule. Because I know even last year, I know Scott Wedgwood was a guy that had been around the league for quite some time, an older player, but a guy I wasn't super familiar with. He, he had a knack for shutting down the Stars, and now he is a member of the Dallas Stars. So you never know when or where a, a quality player will turn up, whether they're playing against your team or... Or for your team but to, to flip the script here a little bit I uh, want to open up the floor to you guys to, to ask any stars related questions you might have I know uh, we'll, we'll have a good handful of Coyotes fans listening to this as well so I want to open up the floor for, for you guys and your listeners
0: so
1: yeah yeah since you brought up kind of Wedgwood I, I'm curious what was his role kind of with Dallas at the end of the year and, and what do you anticipate it being um, to start out?
2: Yeah, I, I think his role at the end of the year and the role going into this season will will be very similar in that you know the stars last year at the the beginning of training camp, beginning of the season, had this rotation of veteran goalies that were kind of supposed to you know be present on the team throughout the season with Braden Holtz being Anton Hudobin starting in net and Ben Bishop supposed to come back from injury, but by the end of the season, all three of those guys either were retired. Or on the IR and could not play, so Jake Ottinger steps up to be the number one, and then the Stars go out and get Wedgwood at the deadline to be, you know, a, a good quality backup, uh, and that's exactly what he was. He he played on a lot of nights that Jake Ottinger just needed a breather because, you know, I think Rick Bonus and the coaching staff knew that Jake was going to, you know, if the Stars did make the playoffs, that they were going to need his very best, and that he was going to need to be in the best shape possible, and so there were a good handful of games that. Uh, Scott Wedgwood had to come in and play some high quality opponents his first start was on the road in Carolina and I believe he had 40 plus saves that night in a a stars overtime win he played against the Toronto Maple Leafs at one point in the season and fought really hard and the only reason that he lost is because Austin Matthews did Austin Matthews things in overtime and scored a game winner so Scott Wedgwood has you know certainly been a a welcome surprise here in Dallas I don't think many people were expecting a, a goalie trade at the start of last season but You know, there was a need for it and they go out and get Wedgwood uh, and now they've signed him to a a pretty team friendly deal. Um, I believe it's only I've cap friendly pulled up here, two seasons, one million dollars a season. So uh, certainly not breaking the bank for a, a pretty quality backup goaltender.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's great to hear, that- especially for a player who's been claimed off of waivers twice by the Coyotes. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, no, that, that pretty much. And I, and I and I'm glad you mentioned that too because a lot of that sounded pretty familiar to us because like a lot of Coyotes fans would be familiar with the way he kind of helped uh, um V Melka during those times when like Melka just needed a breather. Uh Wedgwood was that guy and this to hear that he continued that kind of role with um with Dallas was is is, is nice to hear. I mean, I mean I think a lot of us have so like you know, here in Arizona, have so much respect for Wedgewood um, for his two stints with the Arizona <laughs> Coyotes.
1: Yeah, came in twice to break up a
0: 12, freaking
1: 12 NHL record
0: twelve-game losing streak to start <laughs> to start the, start s- the season. <laughs> what a what a stat! Uh it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Um. A couple of things I'd like to know is because kind of like in a similar way that you asked us, you know, like, you know, who are some players that uh, may be coming out to make a new appearance for the Dallas Stars who, you know, might make an impact right away for them and that, you know, that Coyotes fans might be interested in in, uh, keeping an eye on
2: for sure there, there's certainly a, a good handful of players and the first one I'll start with is a defenseman uh, the first round pick for the Dallas stars back in the 2019 draft his name is Thomas Harley um, and he's played some minutes at the NHL level already not a ton um his sample size is pretty small and uh, even you know as far as games but also just time on ice typically being on that bottom defensive pairing if he was playing at all, but he's a guy that, you know, has a lot of upside. And I think this new coaching staff led by Pete DeBoer, they, they really like him. And I know the rest of the team is pretty high on him as well. Um, And there's going to be plenty of, you know, high expectations for him to, you know, take a really big step in his professional career, especially with the absence of John Klingberg, who's now in Anaheim. It's kind of the, the Miro Haskin show on defense, but there's this expectation that this young Thomas, Harley Kid is going to, you know, finally take the steps forward to be a, a full time NHLer, not a guy who's playing at the AHL, um, but a guy who's going to be with the, you know, the, the NHL club on a nightly basis. And you know, he can score, but he can also play the defensive side pretty well. Um, and I'm excited to see him. And then he, I think he's a lock to make the roster just because of the need for defensive depth. But you even look at the forward position, and there's kind of a, some might call it a three way race, but I think we could very well see. Two of these guys maybe crack the opening night roster. Guys that have been dominating the the Canadian Hockey League and Wyatt Johnston, Logan Stankoven, uh, and Maverick Bork. Who Maverick Bork was picked back in 2020, and then Stankoven and Johnston uh, both picked in the first two rounds of the 2021 draft. And I mean, there's just not you know not enough time to to you know completely talk about how great these guys are. Johnston, you know, I think led the entire OHL in points at 124 in like 68 games played. Stankoven. Uh, been, you know, stand out for his team in loops with the Blazers, but also been a stand out on Team Canada and, and junior competition. So I expect all three of those guys uh, to come in and, you know, put on a show in training camp and try to fight for uh, a roster spot in what's, you know, turned into a pretty crowded forward room in Dallas. Uh, I think the top six are probably pretty set in stone, but. You know, I think maybe even that third line, but there's going to be a fourth line where I think there's going to be some spots open, and I would expect Johnston, Stancoven, and Bort to all you know be fighting pretty hard to try to claim one of those roster spots.
0: Yeah, I also was that kind of sorry. No, go Uh, ahead. I was going to say I also see some player names that I do kind of recognize that obviously weren't you know aren't the superstars, Um, uh, and maybe I and maybe it's just me, but like you know some of these players, like maybe you might know about this too, but if I'm not mistaken for some of these, some of the lifetime AHLers maybe spend a lot of time in, in with, with, um, with the Texas stars or whatever that are finally making their appearance up, uh, up with Dallas. Cause I'm like, wait a minute, these sound so familiar. <laughs> like I'm looking at like, uh, I think Joel Hanley is up there and Luke Landenning. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, I recognize these players. Where do I recognize them from?
2: So so both those guys, especially Luke Glendening. I think Luke Glendening might have played all eighty-two games last season, but he was usually on the stars third or fourth line, um, kind of the the checking center, one of the, the better defensive forwards on the team. And then Joel Hanley was kind of in that bottom six rotation on defense as well, sometimes being the the seventh man or the odd man out of the defensive pairings. Um so I, I wouldn't expect them to be at the AHL level, but you, you, know, you never know if they need you know, an injury recovery throughout the season. But they're definitely guys that you know, have been around the league for a little bit, but certainly not the, the guys you think of when you think Dallas stars hockey.
1: So does it seem like the expectations going into this offseason were you, you guys were going to get the, the promotions from the, from the juniors players? Um, and, and how does that kind of like impact what your expectations for the season are for the, as a whole?
2: Yeah, I think there's certainly been the expectation that at least one of those guys I mentioned is going to crack the roster. And there's a handful of other guys that have been playing with the Texas Stars as well that I think have a shot, uh, like Ty Delandria, Riley Tufty, just to name a couple. Uh, I think there's you know certainly some excitement around them, but there's also plenty of excitement still with the, the NHL veterans on this team. I mean, we're, we're coming off a, a season where Joe Pavelski is you know, 37, 38 years old, putting up the best stat line of his career. Uh, playing alongside you know Jason Robertson who just scored 40 goals in his you know sophomore campaign who is still at the time of recording this unsigned but I uh, as long as the rest of every single stars fan is hopeful that he will get signed before training camp to a new deal and then of course uh Rope Hence is a guy worth getting excited about as well. So the, the offseason had a mixture of excitement for the future but also looking to kind of build around those guys. And the cap situation wasn't too great for the stars for this offseason, season do in large part to paying Jamie Bins- and Tyler say around a quarter of the cap. Um, but they do, they did make some nice additions. Mason Marchment comes over from the Florida Panthers. He had a great season playing kind of in the middle six with them. And I think that's going to be the expectation in Dallas as well. And they even add some uh, defensive depth with a guy like Colin Miller from Buffalo, not a huge standout, you know, big name that a lot of people recognize. But when you lose a guy like John Klingberg, who's been, such a, a you know a key component to this team for so many years you've got to try to add that defensive depth and give Miro Haskin in some support
0: so um you mentioned Joe Bavosky and I'm looking at his cat friendly um is he in the final year of that of a three-year contract or is his three year contract or is that just an extra five and a half million you decided to give him for another year
2: so he he signed a new deal like February or March of last season just a one-year extension so this is a, a one-year extension worth 5.5 million
0: Okay, because I was like, I was trying to do all the math in my head. I'm like it's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I it, mean, it, uh, that I, I am surprised that
1: Joe Pavel is playing some of his best hockey right now. Uh, but that, that's cool. Always love it when an old guy does well. Ball, by the
0: way,
2: <laughs> yeah. It, it's and it's also exciting. Uh, I, I've talked about this with several other hosts as well, doing these season previews. That you know he's reuniting with his his old coach and Pete DeBoer from San Jose and. At least from a storyline perspective, there's a, a lot of, you know, good potential, like, oh, this would be cool if, you know, both those guys still have yet to win a Stanley Cup. And it seems like Pavelski very well could be on his way out of the league, as sad as that is to think about. But, you know, certainly there, there are better teams on paper to win the Stanley Cup or at least win the Western conference this season. But the the stars I, I think have a shot to be competitive and you know uh just selfishly in my mind would love to to have the storyline of you know old coach old old captain of said coach reuniting for for one last ride but we'll we'll have to see what happens
1: i mean that that is a good story that's a very good story uh unfortunately that's probably why it's never gonna happen like the good stories never happen
2: <laughs> right if it's too good to be true that it it usually is so <laughs>
1: yeah absolutely
2: um yeah, well, if you guys don't if you guys don't have any other questions about the stars, we can kind of transition into uh, some discussion about the division as a whole. Because uh, I know yeah. you know it seems like we, or maybe I'll agree with this. I imagine y'all do, but if you don't, let me know that the the number one spot seems to be a lock, and I would say maybe the seventh and eighth spot of the division seem to be a lock as well. But the the rest of the division kind of seems to be up for grabs. Uh, how how do you guys see things shaping out from from your perspective, uh, covering a team like the Coyotes?
0: yeah i i mean that is a pretty fair assessment that one seven and eight is just you know a lot like you can't get pat like you know look past where colorado uh chicago and arizona are going to finish because like you have like the expectations are freaking clear um but yeah but like to see minnesota and what they're doing they're kind of like I don't know. They can be either going up or they can be going down or whatever. Um, you know, Dallas has been on, uh, up up and on. And I know that's what, um, you know, like I have like the last couple of seasons. I've never understood like which Dallas team am I going to see? Um, St. Louis is going to be the same. It's just like, it, it, yeah, you're right. It's just going to be such a cluster in there. Like, I really don't know. Uh, I'm
1: going to be loving the Coyotes and the Blackhawks just racing to the bottom. Uh, I expect the Blackhawks to tank blatantly. Um, <laughs> and it is going to be glorious to see uh, get an AHL backup in there for a game at one point, just, just because, uh, and, and see who gets traded um, because you know Chicago has a lot of interesting pieces and you know, I never thought I'd hear Patrick Kane's name being thrown around, but it seems like that's happening and could happen. Uh, so that's going to be the story we focus on, the the Chicago-Arizona tank fest. I mean, the
0: tank hard for Bedard sweepstakes is already <laughs> in full swing. So yeah,
2: With the- Last
1: season, we didn't know that Montreal was going to be doing what they do. <laughs> like this one, we're anticipating. It makes sense. Uh, that was just like, oh, Wow. Wow,
2: yeah, I, I feel like Chicago and Montreal have maybe switched places. Where last year there was kind of this like, oh, Chicago went and got Mark Andre Fleury, so like they're a legit team, right? And then they just were not legit. Where as Montreal was coming off a, a Stanley Cup Finals appearance, but now, I Chicago, I, I I think in my power rankings that I did what like a month ago for the division, I think I personally put Chicago last uh, because I was like which roster do i recognize more players on and i recognized more coyote names than i did chicago I, names I'm so glad and, i
0: did the same thing i also it, put chicago <laughs> eight on those power rankings I, I i listed chicago at 8 and arizona at 7
2: yeah it, it's going to
0: they're going to tank hard
2: it, it's going to be like fun to watch just like as the season winds down like you'll have I hope the stars are fighting for a playoff spot, but also seeing which team in the division is also going to be gunning for that number one spot because the Central Division already pretty competitive at the top. And then, you know, if you you throw in a team like Chicago or Arizona here in the next three, four years, that's also going to be competitive. I mean, perhaps we'll see one of these other top, you know, top teams in the division maybe fall out a little bit. It's going to make things really interesting. So
0: because, like we were saying, because Connor Bedard is the kind of guy that can that can over change a franchise almost overnight. Absolutely. Um, and the cool thing is, like, he like obviously he's the name that's being tossed around for the twenty twenty three draft. But if you look at the twenty twenty three draft, it's probably going to be one of the deepest we've ever seen, one of the strongest we've ever seen. I should not say more than deep, but strongest. Um, and that's awesome.
2: Yeah, I, I think, and I've heard other people say it, I'm certainly not the first person to have this take, but I think it's one that could be very true that at the trade deadline, we could see so... like You always have teams that are looking to sell, but I think you could see even more teams looking to sell at the deadline if they know they're not going to make the postseason just because, th- like you said, this, this is a draft full of you know, franchise-esque players, guys that can be the face of your team for you know, 10, 15 more seasons. And so you could have teams in every division, like San Jose, uh, if you talk to, to JD at Sharks, they're not looking to be very good. I, you know, Anaheim, uh, Seattle, Montreal. I mean, the list just goes on and on. I think we could see a lot of sellers and a lot of teams just absolutely loading up for deep playoff runs uh, at the trade deadline. And I expect Colorado to be in that conversation. Likely St. Louis, Minnesota, depending on where they are. Nashville, uh, and then maybe maybe even Dallas, just depending on how teams, you know, roster situations work out and who's at the top of the standings and who's at the bottom.
1: Given how tight the cap is, think of all the shenanigans we're going to get to see uh, leading up to that because uh, you're right. There could definitely be like a lot of players moving, but you're going to need to make room
0: and a lot of the good teams don't have the space. <laughs> Although one thing that I do look forward to, like you mentioned, the cap is next year. The cap um, to, we're, we're from expectation is supposed to go up pretty significantly.
2: So, be fun. That' be yeah that would and that would maybe help help Stars fans forget that we're paying Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan both over nine million dollars a season uh <laughs> at, at, for them to produce like mid six players so who who knows for like multiple <laughs> years it's so long Tyler sagan until twenty twenty seven and jamie ben till twenty twenty five man gotta love it maybe maybe they'll have a bounce back here myself and many others are hopeful slash almost demanding that that they have nice bounce back years with the a, a new coaching staff and maybe both of them playing alongside mason Marchment. maybe that's the the key we've been we've been missing all this time but robin and carl thank I mean, you with guys those
1: numbers they could have multiple bounce back years over their careers
2: the, yeah the time especially again. i mean 2027 who knows who knows what what life is going to look like then i mean tyler sagan could have a a jamie bit or uh, excuse me joe pavelski type you know renaissance at the end of the career maybe jamie ben has that too but ben ben on the the other side of thirty, sagan right at 30 so who knows man who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but robin and carl thank you guys for uh crossing over and uh, and talking hockey with with myself and i know that The the Central Division shows are are fun to do with everyone just because every team is in a a different spot. But I know for the the Stars fans listening, if you guys want to plug your show, your social media, now is a a great time to do that so they know where to find you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for the Locked on Coyotes podcast, we're found everywhere you get your podcast. We also have our YouTube channel. Um, uh, We also are on some local news apps. apps For for those that are familiar with 12 News in Phoenix, we, we are on their app, their mobile app as well. Um, you know, on social media, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash locked on coyotes, and on on Twitter at lo underscore coyotes. And I myself personally am at robin underscore Leano, that is Robin with a Y underscore L E A N O. And Carl, uh, yep, I am at
1: Carl Pavlock FFH. Uh, I am also the managing editor of Five for Howling. Uh, you can find that on Twitter. The word five, the number four, the word howling. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it.
2: Very cool. And if there's any any Coyotes fans who want to keep up with the Dallas Stars, you can find Locked On Stars and on your favorite podcasting platform, as well as on YouTube, just like Locked On Coyotes. And we're sitting just under 700 subscribers right now. So if you uh, ex-Coyotes fan feel so inclined to subscribe, I promise to be nice to the coyotes every time we play them this season uh, i'll probably be nice to them anyway because they have some really fun young talent but just throwing that out there then you can find me on twitter at dane double underscore lewis as well as just our show uh, a nice simple at locked stars but robin carl thank you guys for joining and we'll uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon